me invite you to take your Bible or a Bible and open up God's Word with me to Genesis chapter 29. Genesis chapter 29. Some of you thought maybe we were done, but not quite yet. We're going to look at God's Word together for a few minutes. On that cross where those two beams intersect, the justice and the grace of God intersected in a way unlike any other way. The clearest visible representation of God's justice and His grace. But this was not something new for God. For God has always been a just God and a gracious God. In fact, the character of God is unchanging. We'll see an example of this. We'll see an example from a story in the Old Testament many years before the coming of Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that displays, clearly displays, that God is both a just God and a gracious God. And there in Genesis chapter 29, beginning in verse 31 and into chapter 30, we will see that by blessing the undeserving and the hurting, God reveals His just and gracious character. It's a central truth of God's Word that we see throughout His Word, but we see right here in Genesis By blessing the undeserving and the hurting, God reveals His just and gracious character. As you find your place in Genesis chapter 29, let me invite you to stand with me for the reading of of God's Word out of reverence for the one whose Word we are reading. Genesis chapter 29, beginning in verse 31. And you'll remember picking up on the events of last week that now Jacob is married. He's a married man. He has worked 14 years, worked seven years for one wife and got the wrong wife and worked an additional seven years to get the wife that he originally wanted. So now he is married to two sisters, Rachel and Leah. Beginning in verse 31 of Genesis chapter 29, God's word reads this way. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. Verse 35, she conceived again a fourth time. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And then she stopped having children. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word. You may be seated. So here we find ourselves reading this story again. Visiting these characters again, Jacob, Rachel, Leah, and remember that Rachel was the woman that Jacob had fallen in love with, the woman that he wanted to marry, the woman that he was willing to work seven years for her father for. We're told earlier in chapter 29 that they seemed like nothing because he loved her so much and anticipated the day that he would marry her, and instead he's deceived. We saw last week that he got a dose of his own medicine and he received her older sister instead, Leah. So now Jacob is married to two women, two sisters. 
as you can imagine, Jacob favored one of them over the other one. And the scriptures make no bones about this. This is abundantly clear through Jacob's words and his actions that he loved Rachel in a way that he did not love Leah. So Leah is troubled. She's hurt. She experiences heartache. She's oppressed in the home because she doesn't have a special place in the eyes of her husband as her younger sister Rachel does. And and God is a God who is just, a God who cares for the oppressed, who cares for the brokenhearted. And we see here that God's justice is evident as he blesses the oppressed. God's justice is evident here in this story as he blesses the oppressed, as he as he blesses Leah in a way that he is not yet blessing Rachel. We read in chapter 29, verse 31, the first verse that I read, when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, that was when he saw that she was unfavored, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Blessed her in a special way, had special blessing given to her before it was given to her sister Rachel. Now we know that when Two teenage guys are after the same girl. Tensions are high enough. They can be quite mean to each other. We can say the same thing when two teenage girls are after the same guy. We can only imagine what this home must have been like with two women married to the same man. And not just any two women, two sisters competing with one another. God looks on the situation of of Leah. And being a just God, he, He blesses Leah, enabling her to conceive. And Leah, as a woman portrayed here as a woman of faith, recognizes that this blessing is from the Lord. Recognizing that it is God who has opened her womb and names the first son Reuben as a reminder that that God has seen her misery, that God has seen her affliction. Reminds her, names her second son Simeon, reminding her that God has heard her cry for help. She names her third son Levi as an expression of of hope that her husband will now look on her with the love and favor that he already shows her sister Rachel. And based on the events of the story and the context of the story, the story implies that that doesn't happen. These children are not enough to make Jacob love Leah in the way that he is attached to and loves Rachel. And so when Leah has the fourth son, He names him Judah as if to say, enough with Jacob. I'm simply going to praise the Lord for his blessing on my life. God's justice is evident as he blesses the oppressed. And he blessed Leah by opening opening her womb. And Rachel remained childless. And we pick up the story in chapter 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, Am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Then she said, Here is Bilhah, my servant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me and I too can build a family through her. So she gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife. Jacob took her as a wife and she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Because of this, she named him Dan. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again and bore Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister, and I have won. So she named him Naphtali. And when Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her servant, 
Zilpah and gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's, Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. And Leah said, what good fortune. So she named him Gad. And Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, how happy I am. The women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. So here in this portion of this story, within the greater context of the story, the feuding continues. The family turmoil, the family drama, the family fighting continues as each sister competes with one another to produce the most offspring for their husband, Jacob. Rachel is not portrayed here with the same faith that Leah is. Whereas when Leah conceived and bore these children, she gave credit to God, acknowledging that God was present in her life and that God was blessing her for her situation. The names that Rachel gives these two sons, Dan and Naphtali, who were born through her servant that she takes as her own children, convey her struggle with her sister. She names them to commemorate the struggle, the challenge that she has in competing with her sister Leah. She's jealous of Leah. They compete with one another. And as they compete, both sisters are portrayed in a selfish light, yet God still shows them grace. God is not only a just God who blesses the oppressed, but God's grace is also evident as He blesses the selfish. God's grace is evident as He blesses the selfish, the undeserving. And right here in Genesis chapter 29 and 30, we get a glimpse, an intersection of the God who is just and the God who is gracious. And as the story continues, God continues to reveal that He is a just God, and He is a gracious God. So look back with me at Genesis chapter 30, picking up in verse 14. And there we read, During wheat harvest, Reuben went out into the fields and found some mandrake plants. He brought to his mother Leah, and Rachel said to Leah, Please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, Wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Do you take my son's mandrakes too? you imagine the turmoil in this house, the tension in this house, that they're fighting with one another over a plant? Who's going to get the mandrakes? And very well, Rachel said, he can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You must come home with me, she said. I have hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he went home with her that night. And God listened to Leah. She became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my servant to my husband. So she named him Issachar. And Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift. This time my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. And sometime later she gave birth to a daughter and named her Dina. So here the feud continues once again as each of these daughters compete with one another to, to have more offspring. Introduced to these mandrakes, this little feud around who's going to get these mandrakes. And mandrakes are a plant that was native or is native in the Middle East and in the ancient Near East. It had all sorts of superstitions attached to, to the consumption of this plant. And one of those superstitions was that this plant would aid in fertility. And so Rachel, in essence, giving up on God and, and His intervention, intervention and His provision 
fuse two words together there, but we'll communicate both. So giving up on God and his timing. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. So give my husband, my servant, take these, these plants, believing this superstitious practice that, that somehow this is going to help my cause. And the rest of the story, as it unfolds, makes clear that in this particular situation, God's will is not going to be manipulated. The birth of children in this family is only going to come about in God's timing and in God's provisions. God's standard and will could not be manipulated by human efforts. And here God's justice is evident as he blesses according to his standard and his will. God's justice is evident once again in this story as he blesses in accordance with his standard and, and his will. So Leah conceives again bearing a fifth son and a sixth son and naming her sixth son Zebulun is an expression that God has shown her justice. In light of human injustice, God remains just. In church, humans will let us down. People will let us down. People will not act justly all the time, but we serve a God who is always just whose justice never fails. And people will let us down. People will not always show us grace. and We will not always show other people grace. But we serve a God who is always gracious. And it is grace that we get a glimpse of once again in the conclusion of this story. The final three verses, Genesis chapter 30, picking up in verse 22. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her. And enabled her to conceive. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add to me another son. All of a sudden now, Rachel's demeanor, her attitude changes. As she has prayed to the Lord for his provision. And we're told here that the Lord heard her, listened to her, enabled her to conceive. And as a result, Rachel prayed and praised God for what he had, had done. God's compassion is evident as he blesses the disgrace. Here God blessed Rachel who was in a situation of disgrace. And his compassion was evident. God's compassion is evident as he blesses the disgrace. Church, we serve a God whose character never changes. He is a God who is always just and a God who is always gracious. And by blessing the undeserving, like you and me, by blessing the hurting, those who are oppressed, those who are broken, like all of us have been as a result of our bondage to sin, God reveals His just and His gracious character. Now we believe that the Bible teaches very clearly that all of Scripture... All of God's word is useful for instruction. So what can we take away from this story, this portion of God's word this morning? Firstly, I think that we are reminded, at least in an indirect way, as people of faith, people of faith in the God of Scripture, to put away envy and strife. Put away envy and strife. Here are two sisters in this family whom God had chosen in His purposes. And his ongoing plan of redemption, fighting with one another, jealous of one another, envious of one another, and striving among one another. And we know that there is no place for envy and strife among the people of God. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 13, verse 
13. He tells them to behave decently. He goes on and explains what that looks like. And One of the things that he instructs them to do is to, to get rid of dissension and jealousy. To get rid of envy and strife. There's no place for envy and strife among the people of God who serve a God who is just and a God who is gracious. Put away envy and strife. And we also see here that we ought to allow our trust in God to give us patience as we await the fulfillment of, of His plans. Allow your trust in God to give you patience in awaiting the fulfillment of God's plans. Rachel and Leah both tried to take some shortcuts, innovative strategies to better their cause, their position in the plan of God. God doesn't need our shortcuts. He doesn't need our innovative ideas that compromise our faith in Him and our integrity before Him. God's plans will be accomplished. His plans will unfold, and we can rest assured that He is worthy of our trust and our patience as we wait on Him. Put away envy and strife. Allow your trust in God to give you patience in awaiting the fulfillment of God's plans. And third and finally, church, we can praise God for granting us a place in His plan of salvation. We can join together this morning as the church gathered on a resurrection Sunday to praise God that by His justice and by His grace, He has invited us into His plan of redemption. He has given us a seat at the table. We're reminded once again in this story of the failures and the shortcomings of, of a family whom we look at as heroes in the faith. A family that God used in, in His plan ultimately to, to birth the Messiah. Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world. To come to this earth and to lay down His life being the justifier and the one who is just by saving us from our sins on the cross of Calvary and in doing so, blessing us as the undeserved. Church, we can join together this morning in praising God for granting us a place in His story of salvation. So let's do just that in a moment as we stand and sing and praise Him and respond to His Word. Father, we thank You for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come together as your people and to worship you. Lord, to remember what it is that you have done for us on our behalf because you are a gracious God and a God who at the same time is always characterized by justice. Father, we thank you that your son became sin who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. Father, hear our praise now as we Sing to you as we offer our lives to you. Lead us to respond in a way that glorifies you and exalts the name of Christ. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen.